0: Welcome, friends, back to From the Bridge. Welcome, friends. I I think I sound a little bit like Jim Nance there, don't I? As always, this is your captain, Rick Jones, speaking on the world of all things around event marketing and sponsorship. We're excited to continue our two-part series with Steve Robinson, the former CMO of Chick-fil-A today. And if you missed part one, I urge you to go back and listen to last week's episode. We've been talking about Jeff Henderson's book, Know what you are for, a growth strategy for work and even better strategy for life. We've discussed starting with being for the customer. And for us at Fishbait, that means the fan. Then Jeff said you had to be for the team. and In that case, it's for our agency team as well as our clients and their teams. The next step is being for the community, and Steve Robinson will have a lot to say about how Chick-fil-A supports the communities they serve. You've heard me repeatedly say over and over and over again that I believe that capitalism is the greatest economic liberator of all time. It allows most everyone to rise up to their potential. But you've also heard me say repeatedly that capitalism without compassion is simply wrong. Capitalism has to do more than just return value to shareholders. It has to be an economic engine for the greater good, for others. And that means for the community. We're now in an era where a whole lot of politicians want the government to solve all of our ills by paying (laughs) for all of our ills and deficiencies. The truth is, this is just not sustainable. You can't continue to ask people to contribute their tax dollars to solve every problem. You know, the late Margaret Thatcher, who was the prime minister of uh, the UK once said famously, the problem with socialism is sooner or later you run out of other people's money. And that's the truth. We've got to be able to do things, and and I believe that businesses have to do this. And as you'll hear from Steve Robinson today, Chick Fil A is one of those model uh, corporations, uh, model businesses for giving back to the communities that they serve. So let's now get back to our interview with my very special guest angler, Steve Robinson. Well, I'm thrilled today to bring back my good friend Steve Robinson, who is going to continue his discussion about his book "Covert Cows and Chick Fil A: The Chick Fil A Culture and All the Things They Did to Build Their Brand at Chick Fil A," from which we can learn. So, Steve, welcome back to the Bridge. Thanks. Thank you, Rick. Well, you went to Auburn, and so I did. You, so you grew up as a college football fan. I uh, did, but you didn't choose college football for Chick Fil A because you were a fan.
1: No, I didn't
0: okay, let's talk a little bit about that.
1: that was that was that was uh, that was just gravy. Well, about the same time as I talked in our last session, about the same time we were uh, wrestling with, okay, we got to start providing operators <clears throat> air cover through brand advertising. We selected the Richards group. they'd hit the home run with the, the cow billboard eat more chicken and we were working on campaign concepts. We couldn't afford to go out, uh, other than billboards, we could not afford to go out and just buy a bunch of advertising in our top 20 markets. There just wasn't enough revenue either at the home office or or to accrue uh, an advertising budget from the stores. So what were our options? And we were studying demographic data from Nielsen and other sources where are the audience, audiences that we have the, the highest indexes of usage and uh, frequency, et cetera? And <clears throat> what's immediately stump, jumped off the page, it wasn't NASCAR, it wasn't NFL, it wasn't Major League Baseball. It was, it was college sports. It was college football and college basketball. And obviously the biggest numbers were college football. Got my attention because I did love the game. And we had this college football obligation to buy advertising on the East Pan associated with the bowl game. And um, so we start that, we start that adventure with Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl to learn the the college audience, to learn how to market to the college audience, not just on, on media, but how to promote, how to jointly partner with the bowl to create a, a, a bowl brand that was a Also, a Chick-fil-A brand to create a Chick-fil-A bowl experience that was different, unique, helped market the game in a way through the stores that would help sell out every game, no matter who we had. And more, most importantly, than when fans showed up to deliver Chick-fil-A experiences by leveraging our food and our people and the cows, creating events within the event uh, to make it very clear that this was not just the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, but there was... There was stuff special about that right down to uh, parachuting cows coming out of the rafters just before kickoff. So um, we learned a ton working with the bowl for several years. And that eventually led to uh, expanded media deals with ESPN and then eventually a deal with CBS for the SEC because most of our stores were in the Sunbelt. And um, that all started in 1997. And the combination of that was in 2012, 2013, we started negotiations with uh, college football playoff and ESPN to be one of the first sponsors for the college football playoff. With the help of Rob Temple at, at, at ESPN, we were able to do that deal. And so in 2014, uh, we made a major jump to becoming not just a regional advertiser in college football, but a national advertiser uh, because of the college football playoff media package. We, we literally tripled our investment in college football. And um, I won't get into details, but within a matter of months after that, that increased media schedule going, going on the air in, in September of, of 2014, um, our sales started to grow and by the time we got through the first uh, new year six uh new year six games and the first cfp games in january 2015 we had we had grown from single digit same store sales increase to double digit same store sales increase in january of 2015 which was pretty cool because 2015 was my last year so i had the good fortune of going out with a bang Um, But college football, uh, there was virtually, my first point, there was virtually no audience waste. It was a wholesome environment. We didn't have to contend with activating the brand on Sundays because they weren't playing on Sundays. Uh, Fans um, uh, identify with their schools, but they also identify with brands that support their schools and, and the game they love. And it led to that led to relationships with athletic departments all over the country, most of which were fostered, developed by the operator, restaurant operators themselves. It led to us doing what we call licensee concessionaire deals on over 300 university campuses, where we placed Chick-fil-A stores on campuses with a license partner and the local operators. Uh, oversaw those relationships, so now we're now we're sell, We're not just activating football; we're activating every day on these campuses with our product and our service. And I I, I think now they're on almost 400 campuses around the nation. And Chick Fil A has just recently renewed their um, CFP deal, so they're still part of that that package with college football. So it it put us on the map. It was the only national media we had. Um, we didn't really start getting into significant other national media until after I left, um, because we couldn't afford it. Well, but, uh, I love the fact that the, the, you, yeah, the, you went the, deep. The brand is growing so fast now. Mm. Well, we you're that's yeah, exactly where i, I was love going. that. Yeah, we we took one thing where we knew we had minimal waste. We had we could we had we could and we had built great relationships, and we went deep. And we were able to activate the people and the food of Chick-fil-A at every level. And um, yes, and, and, and we learned, we really learned how to market the business, not just to college football fans. We learned how to market the business, you know, ac- across other audiences as well. That You know, now Chick-fil-A is involved with Major League Baseball. Uh, they're involved with Little League Baseball. Uh, they're involved with a lot of community sports and in the different markets that they're in. So what we learn in the college football space has has uh, perp- has equipped them to be very good at being a a, a marketing partner uh, in other arenas as
0: well. Well, here's a segue to <clears throat> what I want to talk about today. This this um, e- each week I have a theme of each show, and the theme. Today is about community, and you got involved in a project that I was fortunate to work on too, that has left a tremendous legacy to the community of Atlanta, and, and that was the the College Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, taking your partnership in college football to a whole nother level, and yet you, you really did it as a as a gift, in my opinion, yes. as a gift to Atlanta. Uh, talk a yes. little bit about that process.
1: Well, I've I've forgotten the exact year. It's roughly uh the hall has been open now I think five years. Um so it'd been roughly eight or nine years ago. Uh Gary Stoken, who was president of the Peach Bowl brought something to the Peach Bowl board that I was on. Hey hey, why don't we why don't we bring the College Football Hall of Fame to Atlanta? It's in uh South Bend, Indiana. They really don't do much attendance. Um well, here we are in the crossroads of the ACC and the SEC and major events in our city. So the short of that was we, uh, under Gary's leadership, we formed a new 501C Atlanta Hall Management. Um, I was appointed to that board um, uh, after within about a year, I was asked to be chairman of that board. And that board was char- was charged with, OK, how do we. How do we find a site? How do we develop a a business model? How do we design, construct, and pay for a facility with no public funds? And quite frankly, no money from the National Football Foundation that holds the licensing rights to the Hall of Fame. Um, it was quite a journey, Rick. You know, you know a lot of it. We had, we had some hard times raising the money. We, we had great people. We attracted great talent to design it. Uh, architects, great construction firm. Um, and quite frankly, we got to a point where it was a huge load that uh, it was more than Gary could carry and also carried the bowl. Uh, the expansion of the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, uh, the probability of a playoff system. So we um, we, carved, we carved off Atlanta Hall Management as an independent 501c. And I asked John Stevenson, Jr., who was on our board to serve as the president for the hall. And the short of it was we got it, we raised all the money. Uh, the largest chunk of the money came from Chick-fil-A. Uh, because I went to Truett and Dan Cathy and I said, look, this is the right thing for the city. We've been a college football partner for almost 20 years in this city. We don't we haven't really done anything to get back to the city. And and Truett said, you're absolutely right. I, I love to do it. Um, and not all the executive committee agreed with it, but but, but Truett and Dan did. And so Chick-fil-A put up the largest percentage of the investment, and we got that thing open. And then later, in fact, later after I left, uh, Chick-fil-A went a step further and advanced a large portion of their multi-year agreement to pay off the debt. So um, the Hall of Fame, praise God, is a a debt-free entity. And the COVID, of course, hurt them, but they're coming back strong now. Got a great president, uh, on-site president, um, Kimberly Bodine, and she's doing an awesome job. So uh, it was it was an it was a great experience because it it exercised all the the experiences I'd had previously of how do you work with partners. Now think about it you got a you got a design firm, you got an architect, you got a contractor, you got banks, you have potential sponsors. (laughs) And it was an amazing experience of garnering support in this city to, to op, to build and open that attraction. But it sits right there on the Western edge of the Centennial park. Um, this, uh, obviously the, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, the Frank, Frank Poe and the Congress center were major partners because they literally leased us a site for, for <laughs> almost nothing. A primo site, and um, it it is a tremendous, ex- not only a great experience for fans to visit. It is an incredible venue for media and for special events. And we designed it in hopes that it would be. But yeah, that that was kind of the the last major um, hands on experience I had with college football was. Uh, helping the whole become a reality in Atlanta, it was it was tremendous. Well, it's, it really a, it's was. a fabulous facility, but you know this is just one example, yet
0: one example of. The community service that Chick Fil A has always done. This is an organization that you know Truett mentioned early on about the business tithe and and, yes. and the ability to give back and yes. you know all of your your operators have that mindset. You know yep. they, they they're they're involved. I mean, there's a f- great story here where the, the Chick Fil A operator helped Roper St Francis organize their drive through for COVID shots. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, right. yeah, because we know how to get people through a drive-through, uh, <laughs> and, and that, uh,
1: by the way, happened in other cities. Yeah, Steve. and so,
0: but but talk a little bit about that. You know, you work in a culture for thirty-five years that had the mindset of relationships, but relationships needed to be relationships that helped people.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it goes all the way back to Truett, and it goes all the way back to the beginning. And I, I unpacked in the book, but the, the first foundation of it is that Truett sold Chick-fil-A as a gift. He literally sold Chick-fil-A as a gift from God, not not just the sandwich, but the business. He had a nice little business on the south side of Atlanta, and that's where he developed Chick-fil-A sandwich. But for Chick-fil-A to come become a freestanding business and become what it was even becoming back in the 80s and 90s, he was incredibly thankful and saw it as a gift, and, and as such, he felt it was a gift that he had to steward. Now, how do you steward? Well, you steward a lot of ways. You steward with uh, the kind of, obviously, the kind of product and service you give to people. You serve. You serve communities, and you can give back finances. <clears throat> and he chose to do all that. <clears throat> and early in my career, one of the first times I saw the corporate P I saw that corporate contribution down towards the bottom of the sheet and I was blown away and it didn't take me long to figure out that he was, as you said, he was tithing the business, pre-tax profit tithing. And, um, and eventually, uh, what it led to was major foundations. They now have three very large active foundations. And um, operators are giving back in their communities because Truett set the template, the template, sent the model. And he was very open about where he got the principle. He, he Malachi three, uh, chapter three, verses eight through eleven, talk about if you will, if you will tithe and give gifts back to me, I will bless you. This is the Lord speaking. I will give back to you beyond what you can expect. I'm paraphrasing, but Malachi three, uh, verses eight through eleven, not only impacted him. I will tell you personally that those verses changed my life. And I I became a passionate tither um as I not only watched through it, but as I understood what that biblical principle really meant. And it <laughs> and it came alive in, in the life in my life and for Diane and I. Um so he he just he saw the business as a gift. He stewarded it and um he set that example with his kids. The foundations are are thriving, and and the, the second and third generation of the Kathy families are all involved in those foundations. And the list is long. I mean, they fund millions of scholarships, charities all around the country, all around the world, foster care, um, um, retreats for marriage and family, leadership camps. I mean, it's it's no, it's it's amazing. It's pretty it's amazing. Significant, you know, I.
0: I mean, it's interesting. You know, I'm a fifth generation Atlanta boy. I, I went to Greenbrier Mall where they had the first Chick fil A. I, mm-hmm. I worked at Conan Wolf when Chick fil A was a client there. My junior year in college, I went and worked at Camp Ridgecrest for boys, and there was a guy by the, by the name of uh, <clears throat> um, Rick Johnson. Rick Johnson. Uh, yeah, who yes. y'all later hired to run Camp Windshape. And Rick said That's to right. me, I'm, I'm here, I am. I'm a junior in college, and he, and this is what he told me one day. He said, You know, Rick, Christianity is not what you say, it's how you live your life. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, Truett Cathy and the Chick fil A family is a model for how to live a life. And how to That's live right. a life of service to God and a service to the That's community right. and a service to others. And one of the things I loved about your book is, you know, unabashedly, you talk about your faith and the faith of your teammates. You know, we're yes. we're we're a little different agency, I think. Too, we <laughs> we 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 start all our meetings with a prayer. You know, not many people mm-hmm. do that, but we we're, we're big believers in. Uh, in a higher calling, y'all, you mentioned many, many times where y'all went behind closed doors and said, before we make a decision, why don't we collectively see what God wants us to do? Talk talk mm-hmm. about that for a minute.
1: Well, Rick, I think it, it that whole, that culture was there when I got there. Um, but the, the real catalytic point for me was in 1982 when we had that financial crisis, um, interest rates were 17 18%. Mall business stopped. Our sales went in the tank. That was the window where we went in the room, not just to deal with how we're going to handle cash flow, but what what we ultimately walked out with, we we got to clarify why we exist. And that's where the Chick-fil-A corporate purpose was written, uh, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all those entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Those words were crafted, not because, just because Chick-fil-A was growing. Those words were crafted because of crisis. And we wanted, Truett wanted people to understand his attitude is, I hold this business with loose hands. If he chooses the blessed, terrific, if not, that's okay. This is why, this is why I'm in business. And so, when you have that clarity of purpose, going back to 1982, which by the way has not not one word has changed, it is still their corporate purpose. That's their why. Um, you say, okay, well, how does that affect recruiting and and, and or re- recruiting and selection? It it actually helps because it announces to everybody right up front. If you're not comfortable, well, that is the purpose of this organization. You're not going to be comfortable here. You don't have to discriminate. There's no reason to discriminate. You're right up front about why your business exists and what's important. And so it it either attracts people that are of faith or people that feel comfortable in that environment. And quite frankly, it attracts people that may in fact become followers of Christ later because of being in that environment. I had some team members who became believers after coming to Chick-fil-A, but they knew what they were walking into. And they, they loved the environment. They loved what was important to Truett. And um, so seeking a biblical perspective to the business, I think, is a major game changer uh, in any business, not just Chick-fil-A, because uh, the God's word is timeless. It's, it's principles that, um, like a great brand, can stand the test of time. And they keep you out of trouble. <laughs> um, and and so to say okay we're going to think about this and pray about this whatever the issue was and we did it often whether it was executive committee or even my team and we're we're going to go independently and we're going to think and pray about this and then we're going to come back together and we're going to collaborate on it was a very healthy process because it it the word proverbs particularly is full of, of, of verses that talk about seek Seek my mind, seek me, seek wisdom, seek understanding um, from your maker, your creator. And uh, I think um, being willing to pray about stuff and discuss stuff openly in the context of biblical principle leads to wisdom. True demonstrated that. You're still going to make mistakes, but I'm convinced we made fewer of them. And I'm not apologetic about advocating that there's a lot of great business textbooks out there. And I simply would suggest that the Bible is one of them, um, particularly books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Um, I don't care whether you're a follower of Christ or not. You will learn so many business and, and people skills in those books um, that, quite frankly, most, most contemporary books just simply do not unpack. So that's a long answer to your question, but um, it, it is, that, that culture is built upon a clear purpose, which is built upon biblical, person, biblical tenets. That's correct.
0: Well, we could talk for days. I mean, I'm just telling you, number one, you've had an amazing, an amazing career, but, but I know you're not done. What, what, what's next? What, what gets you up in the morning? What, what are you excited about?
1: Well, Rick, I, what gets me besides playing golf,
0: which <laughs> I that, thoroughly enjoy, that's, that's not bad either. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I love just telling the story that we've been talking about. I love doing speeches and consulting. I love unpacking this story, um, not to, to to bring glory to Chick Fil A, but quite frankly, to bring honor to my my God, my Savior, Truth God, um, but to highlight. Um, what I think, unfortunately, has become a, a business model and now is a, is considered odd to highlight an organization that is focused on long-term growth, healthy long-term brand, a a leadership model that focuses first on culture, not on strategy and tactics first. That focuses on on deliver, delivering great value to the customers, and in turn, you'll get you'll get financial value at the back end. It, it it's Chick Fil A is almost a, an oxymoron the way versus the way most people think in the marketplace today. And I just love telling that story. And I have I have right now I have three clients, full time clients. I'm not working every day, but they're full time relationships, and I'm helping. And they're young entrepreneurs with young growing businesses. And I feel like I'm back at Chick-fil-A in the eighties and the nineties and it's, it's terrific. And, and they're, they're like sponges and they don't want to do it like the everybody else. They want to be renegade. They want to be different. They want to have powerful cultures. And they're all three. They're, they're taking off. So that's what i love to do well
0: that's a is, great legacy the legacy of passing it on folks the book is covert cows and chick-fil-a it is a an essential book for every marketer out there steve i just i cannot thank you enough for being with us for two times
1: here well i'm invited i'm honored you invited me well, I really am. thanks for it thanks again and we'll talk again soon all right brother thank Take you, care. Buddy. bye
0: Okay, how about another trip upon the old soapbox? You've heard me talk about the business tithe as a way to raise funds for causes without the government having to pay for everything. Of course, you do realize there is no such thing as the government. The government is just us old taxpayers. You've heard Steve Robinson today talk about the tithe that Chick-fil-A pays, where they take a percentage of their profits and they give it back to causes in their, in their communities. And you know that I've even written a book entitled The Business Tithe, which I'll remind you again, you can get free from me by sending me an email at rick at I grew up in a family that tithed to our church. I've told you before, my mama was Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey. My dad was a federal investigator. And my mom would cash that government check once a month and would put it in envelopes. She had her envelope for her mortgage. She had her envelope for her groceries. She had an envelope for the electric bill. But the first envelope that she had was for our church, First Baptist Church of Avondale Estates. And she paid that tithe before she paid anything else. Why can't more businesses be like Chick-fil-A? or even like Fishbait Solutions for that matter. I'm going to start a crusade for businesses to give back. So who's with me? Let me know. And that's my stance on the old soapbox today. Let's close with yet another fun place to eat on the road with Rick. There's this upscale diner in Buckhead in Atlanta called the OK Cafe. And yes, it's all OK. I used to actually office there. No, really, I did. I was living in Dallas at the time, and I had a lot of business in, in Atlanta without an office. So I would fly in, and I would come early to the OK Cafe, and I would sit in a corner booth over by the window where people that came in could see me, but also had the light of the window. And I would tell the waitress, look, I'm going to be here all day, and I'm going to tip you like you turned the table seven times all day. And then she would take care of me. So I would have a couple of coffees, a couple of breakfasts, a couple more coffees, a couple of lunches, <laughs> afternoon coffee, and then I'd get the heck out of there. Uh, the OK Cafe is the power kind of place in Atlanta. All the power players would come in and eat there. And so it was all about Atlanta's movers and shakers. They have great breakfast, terrific grits, smoked bacon, turkey sausage. But their dinner is even better. Upscale meat and three with chicken fried steak, great meatloaf, great fried chicken, but even better, a vegetable plate where you can get four different veggies like fresh green beans or squash casserole or okra and tomatoes or uh, wonderful, amazing French fries. But what I love best are their lady peas. You don't get lady peas in many places, but here in season, they have the very best lady peas. In fact, sometimes I get two orders of the peas as part of my vegetable plate. And you can, too, at the OK Cafe in Atlanta, Georgia, on the road with Rick. How about this show, huh? Many thanks to my friend Steve Robinson for sharing so much wisdom with us. Rush right out and get his book, Covert Cows and Chick-fil-A, just as soon as you can. You'll really like it. Until next week, this is the captain signing off.